Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You will have another opportunity during the morning to qualify for that week away in Ibiza. You are listening out for this between now and 12. Guarantee I'll play that between now and 12. Your chance to get involved in our week in Ibiza. Also got some great tickets and we'll feed you too for the new season at the Everyman. That's all coming up throughout the course of the morning and the course of the week. How are you? Nice weekend, had you? My daughter has got way too much of my DNA. She spent the weekend rocking and rolling. She was at Harry Styles on Saturday and said, fantastic gig, great venue, but she'd never go near us again because she didn't get home to her pal's house until nearly three o'clock in the morning just trying to get out of Slane. And then she went to George Ezra last night and I was as jealous as anything because by all accounts, he was fabulous. I saw him the last time he was here and he was great last night at Moser. So a picture there of the state of the place after Harry Styles' fans. Picture of what was left of Slane on Sunday morning Thousands and thousands of feathers, bits of boas, like, and bits of squashed hats, squashed cowboy hats, and all of that. Could have been a lot worse, though. Did you see the state of the city streets? I was getting pictures all weekend long, and I was in town yesterday, just took a walk in the afternoon just to do a small message in town. And the state of the streets, lads, no, 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 it's manky, dirty, and filthy and manky and an absolute disgrace we will come to that later on but first of all here's a man who is I'd say Peter Toomey counting your lucky stars doesn't even start to go there my friend good morning to you how are you going when did this happen uh, just time last week you were just doing a bit of business around the farm out in White's Cross and what happened yeah we just <clears throat> burning the cows in for milking and uh just opened the gap to let him in and walked past the bull and uh, he didn't hesitate and just went straight for me. Straight for me. Was this your bull or...? Yeah, well, look, I, I hire in a bull every year because we do our best to AI the cows mm. um, just for better breeding and stuff like that and more control. 
<clears throat> but we hired this bull in Friday evening. Um, I suppose he 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 arrived a very sheepish bull uh, Saturday morning. I put him through the crush, clipped his tail. Saturday evening, Sunday morning, I read his tag number, so I was within two feet of him, of his head. Uh, we have an app on the phone for registering the breeding and all this, so I recorded his tag number, and uh, sure, he was afraid of me. I suppose we used say Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday morning, within 10 seconds, tried to kill me. And that sounds dramatic now, but that's what it felt like, you know? Yeah, he he's a Simmental bull. Now that's just just his yeah. breed. A big lad. You put your you put a Facebook page, a Facebook yeah. post up about. Yeah, it. yeah. he's huge, Peter. He is, and you know what? Simmentals now nine times out of ten, you could lie up in their back as a breed. So I think I was taking that for granted as well. You know. Mm. <clears throat> like it was like it must have been like been hit by a car, was it? Yeah, I've never been hit by a car. No, but it's. Uh, it's, uh, I was lucky, I suppose I'm I'm big enough for whatever I was able to take it maybe, but uh, if he if he hit me and I went down the hills because there's a hill in the paddock like where he was I would have been in the middle of a field with nowhere to go, but he was able to hit me and I was able to stay going forward and then he hit me again on the ground but he actually hit me towards wire so I was able to scramble under the wire and uh, that, that stopped him Oh, he went in for a second lunge? Oh, he did, yeah, he he knocked me and then he rolled me on the ground. This yeah. is this is why you say you felt he had he wanted to do away with you, like. Yeah, well, I, yeah, that's what that's what it must be like, you know. Um, that's what went through my head. I thought it was all over. It was kind of like uh, outer body experience. It was just kind of, you know, you hear it happening to people and you don't think it'll happen to you, and here it is within five or ten seconds, and it's happening. You know. Did you lose consciousness at any stage? No. no. No, I was lucky because the ground is like concrete, sir, and um, I was lucky that I was able to, he caught me in the ribs, mm. and I suppose if, I don't know whether he lifted me or just knocked me, I can't can't really remember, but um, no, I was able to scramble along the ground, you know, right. I was lucky. And, and has he horns? No horns. Right. But a head like a, a pile driver. A solid bone, like? Yeah, solid bone. Solid yeah. bone, and, and you mentioned the ground be like concrete. I was only yeah. reading I was only reading a book over the weekend where someone was comparing the strength of and the hardness of bone to the hardness of concrete, so Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But look, I suppose the way the way I see it was that um I suppose as a younger fella I would have taken the gamble and, you know, would have got a bit of crack out of a cross bull, you know, because you'd be teasing them or whatever and uh, you know, kids are gonna be on holidays in a couple of weeks walking through fields, meeting other friends and stuff like that. And I'd say that uh, whether it is hot weather or what, that triggered my bull's reaction. But I just, just be, just be careful, everyone. And just mind, yeah. just don't take it for granted that you can walk through a field of cows, you know, because you only ever heard the cows from this time of the year to about the 15th of July, we'll have a bull running with the cows now just to mop up the breeding season. I see, I see. You have a wife and three kids, and they—they're. They, I think their faces flashed before your eyes. Yeah, they did. They did. And like I suppose one of the <clears throat> one of the only good things that came out of last Monday morning was my twelve-year-old daughter just sprung into action, milked the cows for me. With my, we have a French student as well at the time. Um, he's with us now for another couple of weeks, but uh, 
she just got out of bed, tell Max I'm on the way, were her words, and straight into the meeting parlour and milk the cows for me. And, uh, you know, so things like that uh, would inspire you in a moment of, you know, shock and all that. So. Yeah. And and how are you? you? You had to go to hospital and get checked out, obviously. Yeah, I went in and, uh, as my brother said there, go in as you are. So I went in covered in shite and um, got seen straight away and got moved through any fast enough. And, uh, yeah, the doctor, x-rays and the spleen look okay. Um but he said there's there's probably a couple of broken ribs there. Oh, God. You in pain? Yeah. But you know what? It's not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Because my brother, Willie John, is he's sitting in the Jeep now loading up with free-range pork as well on the farm. So yeah. he's he's heading to the abattoir with this week's supply. And uh, he's milking for me in the morning yeah. and the evening. So I'm blessed. I'm blessed, really. The, like, the, you know? the, work, the work must go on. Like, yeah. You, you, and... Look after yourself because the worst thing anyone can do is go back too early after doing something like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? This is going to sound like a daft question, but if that was a dog, Peter, could have been put down. What happens to the bull? Yeah, he was gone the following morning. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't, you can't take that chance. Yes. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't pass it on to someone else either. You know. Yeah. Uh, no, there is a saying that. You're better off to know you have a crossbow than trust the quiet fella, you know. But no, this guy, once he done that once, that's it. Yeah, yeah, because it used to be a thing like that. You know, the farmer would just say crossbow and you'd know where he was at all times and he'd be in his own paddock or his own field and you'd, you'd there'd be red signs up, don't go near the yeah. bull, beware of the bull. Those days are gone. One, yeah, he's done for. Yeah, you know that you can't. You you can't know it, and then it happens again. You know. Yeah. And you said there were no warning signs. Like there was nothing. There was no nothing. Normally they'd be growling now or pawing the ground, or you know they'd let out a snort of of hot air or whatever. And uh, but no, I just looked at him. He looked at me, and he just went straight for me. Like yeah. and some it. like for a big thing, they can move quickly. Oh yeah, yeah yeah, yeah yeah. Like, no, how far away from you when? Were, were you when he changed? I suppose I look when I look back in it I probably could have I could have walked in behind him as easy but uh, you know we are watching out for cows and bits and pieces I wasn't really yeah. I kind of took him for granted to be honest yeah. because I because of you know handling him Saturday and reading his tag and whatever Sunday and not not thinking he was a danger and I suppose I was a metre away from him like you know yeah. well you've been very lucky I think what you want to do is get a message out there that there's always and particularly over the summer now beware yeah. of bulls they're out there, they might be the quiet like you just discovered, they yeah. could be the quiet most placid thing until they're not Yeah, and it's it's it could be too late, I'm, I'm lucky like I'm able to talk about it and I'm able to but there's loads of lads who, who didn't get a chance to, to warn someone about the cross bull, you know, and uh, it's kids as well, like my kids will be going for the cows for me now during the summer. Uh, maybe not necessarily when the bull is with them, but, um, you know, that, that's what will happen in a lot of farms from the end of June on. There'll be kids going for cows and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. just, you know, you, you, experience is uh, invaluable when it comes to stock. Like, you know, if you if you can kind of read a sign, yeah. you know, but if you're a child, you have no experience and it's, uh, it's just dangerous, that's all. And just to say that... Uh, the bull is 
is a necessity, like, you know, but um, just be careful. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And Murphy was writing about this in The Examiner and she she referred to a statistic from the Health and Safety Authority. Uh, twen- since 2015, six people have died in Ireland uh, in incidents involving bulls, including the most recent was in, in April, a man called Mr. Yeah. Shorten in Inneskeen. Yeah. yeah. But like since I, since I put up the video or whatever, I've got messages from people saying that there was two two or three people got scares and whatever, you know, so it's, it is out there, like, you know, and you don't hear about it, so. Okay. Well, well, you look after yourself and... Thanks, Will uh, do. I mean, well looked after, so I can't complain. Good. I hope you make a full and speedy recovery and get back to work as soon as you possibly can. And the warning is out there. Just beware around cattle. This time of the year, there's almost invariably going to be a bull somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, thank you very much, Peter Toomey, of Glenbrook Farm in White's Cross. Lucky, lucky, as he counts himself, lucky to be alive. He said he was with the bull on Saturday and on Sunday, and on Monday morning the bull tried to kill him. 0818969696. It's a bus on its side or leaning on its side near the tunnel at Dublin Hill. There may have been a collision, we're not sure about that. Emergency services are en route major tailbacks and big traffic issues in the area. So that's near the tunnel at Dublin Hill. Uh, maybe it's a bus leaning by its or leaning towards the side. If anybody can see it and maybe describe it to me or send me a picture, I'd be interested in that. 0818 96 96 96 Conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Derville, you've seen this, this bus. What do you think happened? Morning. Hi, DJ. From what I can see, it looks like the bus just went into the bridge, but there's three and fire brigades and an ambulance there now. Okay. Is that the bridge on Dublin Hill, the low bridge? Yeah, yeah, that one there. Okay, that's that's going to cause ructions. Um, it is, yeah. Now, they're, I presume they're not closing it off. I went to swing up and I had to just swing around again straight away. Right. Was it a local bus? Did you catch the number on it? I didn't know. I actually just saw it and turned because I'm, dro- I'm doing a school run. Okay. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but it, you reckon it hit the bridge and there's, did you say what, three ambulances there? There's three fire brigades and an ambulance. Three fire brigades and an ambulance. Kind of okay, okay. Here's hoping that um, that everybody will be okay on that one. But thank you for that, Derville. Appreciate it. Derville saw that on our way to the school run. So this bus, it's the bridge there at Dublin Hill. It seems to have hit the bridge. That's what we think happened. Uh, there's fire brigades and an ambulance there. We're just hoping against hope that everybody is all right after that. 0818 96 96 96. Right, our good friends at the Everyman are with us this week for some fun and games, tickets and dinner to give away in association with their new summer season. A great season ahead. Some potted potter is coming. And Tom Crean is back again. I'll be going to see it. I think this time would be my 12th or 13th time to see that wonderful show. Uh, the end. The Buffy revamped is coming. Ah, there's a picture. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I'll describe it to you in just a sec. But we're with the Everyman for this week with tickets to go to a show and dinner. Starting off today, do we have two tickets coming up for Buffy Revamped? I don't have the dates when it's in, but Buffy Revamped is in the Everyman this summer. 
I will send you there and I will send you to dinner at McGettigan's Cookhouse, which is a fabulous place for a bit of scran. Uh, up there at the... What do they call it these days? It's not the Ambassador anymore. It's up at the hotel. Uh, two tickets there um, at McGettigan's Cookhouse and two tickets to Buffy Reva. Great deal. Great deal. Fabulous fabulous um, night out. So, you need to tell me who this is. All right, just tell me who is this star of stage or screen? This car could be systematic, hydromatic, ultramatic. Why could it be grease lightning? All right, who is that? This car could be systematic, hydromatic, ultramatic. Why could it be grease lightning? All right, his name and yours, please, to 083 396 96 96. Don't worry, I'll play it again in case you missed it. Now, we always try to highlight scams on this show. If I got one of them over the weekend to my phone, I got another one on Friday afternoon to say that my AIB account had been suspended. Click on the link to reopen it. I deleted that because I knew it was a racket. They're going around. I got one. Did I get one claiming to be from... I love it, the ones that you get from a bank and you don't even have an account in them. Mary, what happened to your mum? Good morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ. Um, I guess you were in there on Friday just to tip people off. Um, my mum is an elderly lady, as you well know, but um, very alert and very on the ball. So she was at home early on Friday morning and the house phone rang and said, good morning, said her name. Uh, this is your your bank. Now, they did mention her bank's name. Um, you made a purchase yesterday for €249. Euros, but did, were you aware that um, there's another 1100 after being transferred to an account abroad from your bank account since? So my mother kind of went, oh my God. Now, the funny thing about it is, PJ, my mum hadn't kind of used her card since March. She hadn't went shopping or made any transactions. So that was my first question. But, she hadn't made a yes. purchase, no? No, but okay. on Thursday, she had been away for a few days and we came home and um, we discovered all the switches had tripped in the house so we nailed it down that something had happened to her fridge. So we did go out on Thursday and we did a bit of shopping and we bought the electrical goods and it had come to, I think, €289. Euros. But, of course, when my mum got the phone call half asleep on a Friday morning, she was trying to think how much did I spend yesterday, how much was it? So she had made a purchase on Thursday. So, like, this one kept talking to her and kept saying, you know, you you, you used your car yesterday. And so um, my mum kept her on the phone. My mum is sharp. You know, she might be elderly, but I tell you what, she's, as you know, she'd be well able. She, well, you didn't leave you know, it off the ground, Mary. <laughs> No, I didn't, but like, you know, as her elderly age, and she'd kill me if you heard me saying her age, but you know her age, but she's well able, she's totally clued in, and, you know, she does, would never give car details or anything on the phone. But the funny thing about it was, when we had went shopping, my mother doesn't ever take a handbag, so she had her mobile phone and her bottle of water and whatever, and she said to me, put that into your bag. So she had given me her little holder with her card in it, and I had put it into my handbag, and of course, she thought then, oh, Jesus, did I lose my card? So she was sharp enough. Your one was on the house phone. My mum kept said to her, I'll have to get my card called in a minute. So instead of getting the card, mother went downstairs. So your one wouldn't hear her, got her mobile and rang me. So I said, I have your card. Don't worry. But my mum was still worried. So 
she asked her one, she went back then to the house phone and she asked her for a name. And PJ, she she had given her a name at this start, which is kind of frightening because she actually introduced herself with the name. So my mother then said to her again, I said, Mom, go on, ask her for her name and ask her for a phone number and you'll ring her back because there's somebody ringing the front doorbell and it's somebody delivering something and you have to go off the line. So mother went back to the household. As you can imagine, my mother not going back and forward to the two phones. So mother went back and she said, can I have your name again, please? I, I didn't quite catch it. So she did get a bit annoyed with my mother. Then. Now, this was 20 minutes into the call, PJ. So she stayed on the call 20 minutes trying to get information. So she said to my mother, I'm after giving you my name three times. Gave it to her again. And mother said, give me the phone number there. I'll ring you back. So she said to my mother, the number to call us is on the back of the card. It's on the back of your card. Have you your card there? And my mom said, I told you I'm looking for it. Well, it's on the back of the card. And mother says, give me the number again. And with that, she banged down the phone. So at that stage, she probably knew mother was on door and she wasn't going to get information. Yeah. But like the scary thing about it, Paige, is and this, like, obviously I rang my mom's bank straight away and we checked and there was nothing gone yeah. out of the account. And then we, we rang, when I got my mom to ring again because I had to pretend, obviously, I was my mother the first time because I was in my house and my mother was in her house. So when I got over again, I rang and we got two lovely guys in the AIB, actually, actually in the bank, and they were lovely. And they assured my mother, not nothing. But the scary thing about it was, my mother hadn't used the card since March. Yeah. But she used it on Thursday. And they were able to kind of tell her, no, the, the amount was wrong. Was it a coincidence? Probably. Or did they... Like, Probably. It was, yeah, a, ran- like it was a random... It was a random guess. Yeah. But... but but you know, the elderly the, people are being targeted, teacher. They are. And, and having the landline is what would bother me most, Mary. Yeah, my mum has been, like she often gets these calls, you know, these stupid fellas, your computer, check your computer. And like, she, she has a whistle. I told her to blow the whistle down the phone, they won't bother you anymore. So she has the whistle. Very so true. she thinks she's still back in her refereeing days. So she'd often say, right. Like she told one fella, I won't use the language one night, but like another fella, then she went to the, she said, I annoy him now. And he was at about her computer and your broadband. She went, Mother's no broadband, PJ. But she entertained him for five minutes and then she told him to go fake off. <laughs> but she does get these calls to her house phone, but like she has the whistle. So I'm telling you, anybody out there who's getting these calls, get a whistle. Get yourself a whistle and blow it down the phone. the years off because they're probably, but like, they're probably on a headset at Scam Central. You'd blow the head off him. Yeah, but that's it, Egypt. But look, these crowd are targeting people and know they're phoning house phones. So, like, be very careful. Like, just be ultra careful, you know, and especially elderly people because, as I said, my mother's fully tuned in, but, like, God love them. There's people on their own and they're, oh, you yeah. know, they're, they're, they'll catch people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And looking for the number, the number's on the back of your card. Trying to confuse people. Like mm. telling them the phone numbers on the back of the card and just trying to confuse people. The, so the other favourite one, Mary, and this has come up many times, and I was wondering would it have happened, but clearly it didn't. The the, the other favourite one is that they give you a series of numbers and say, listen, all I'm missing is the last four digits from your card. That's the most lethal trap of all. They start off yeah, with the 4319 yeah. whatever. Yeah. No, all those numbers are the same. And and people think, oh, yeah. oh Christ, she has all my numbers, but the last four, I give her those. Then you're goose as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. 
you know yeah but like people need to be very careful because they're on the house calls now That's and crazy. but this one she said and I was laughing because my mother said and she was Irish like she was I could understand everything she was saying like she said she was really like and gave her a name as well like yeah 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 you know, gave her a scary name. stuff. Scary yeah. stuff. No, the bank, in fairness, I gave the name to the bank and they were able to check their staff roles to see was there any staff member and there wasn't, you know. Okay. No, they were very good in the bank. They, they were so helpful on the phone when we rang them. I think, to be fair to most of the banks, they're on top were. of this. And if I yeah. was talking to a pal of mine on the June weekend and he got a back payment from, from welfare and it got fleeced on him and the bank said, we'll sort that for you. We'll sort that out. It'll take a bit of time. Yeah, but it's, frightening. Yeah. it's frightening. It's frightening, like how, you know, it, my mother was saying, is this random or are they kind of, have this some way of watching people shopping or what are they? You don't know. You, you don't, don't know. know like, no. you, are they watching, you know, have, have they tap into some systems oh, yeah. or, you, I don't know. It's, but it's scary, but the people just be aware of it. Anybody rings you on the house phone pretending to be from the bank because there are people who do a lot of shopping and, you know, yeah. there's a thousand euros got out of your account straight away. You panic, you know. Yeah, just absolutely. Be careful. Uh, just people, especially with your house phone, be careful and buy a whistle. Like my mother. <laughs> All right, Mary. Cheers, girl. Take care. That's Mary Newman. Thank you. I'm my best to your mom. 0818969696. There's scams of every kind out there. Every kind. Thank you. Okay, we've got two pictures in, one from each side of this accident. So this bus looks like it hit the bridge. Certainly its nose is embedded in the bridge or its head is embedded in the bridge. I would sincerely hope that no one on that upper deck was sitting at the very front when it went into the bridge. But it is up on its two wheels, sort of resting against the post of the bridge, if you know what I'm getting at. It is that bridge there on on Dublin Hill, that low bridge on Dublin Hill. And it's fairly nasty. Fairly nasty. I can't see what number bus it is, but anyone who lives around there will know the scheduled numbers that go up and down that bridge. But we're told ambulances and fire engines there. Sincerely hoping that everybody who was on board that bus will be okay. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Writes mayhem on the roads this morning. There's another tip at the end of Poppins Hill Spangle, just up from Dino's there in Blackpool. Another tip and all sorts of commotion around there too and we're reminded that people affected by the collision in Dublin Hill is with the bus and the bridge you can't go out the top of Dublin Hill because the road is closed for roadworks, North Ring Road probably your best option for a diversion this morning 0818 96 96 96 now we were talking on Friday in advance of the Raise the Roof protest in town on Saturday afternoon. Maureen Tuig from Cork's 96FM News was there. Big turnout, Maureen. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. A massive turnout, up to a thousand people turning out for this rally on Saturday. It started, as you know, uh, gathered at half twelve and left uh, from Connolly Hall around 1pm and uh, marching through the city down Patrick Street. And what you can really notice is, you know, people who aren't necessarily taking part, but they're stopping and looking and and taking pictures and videos. And I suppose it's the whole idea of people power. Mm. You know, you're... You're, you're taking part yourself but you're also capturing the attention of others and I suppose you know everyone kind of together with the, the same message about the housing crisis and that I spoke to 
I suppose a college student and she said, you know, she's lucky that she has accommodation for next year. Others not so lucky, but it's it's always on the back of your mind. There's no real time to probably enjoy the college experience because all you can think about each year is where am I going to live next year? So we're hearing so many stories like that of people mm. just really struggling, you know. Yeah. And people who want to come to Cork for a good job, a new job, a great job. And where are they going to live? That's it. So it's it's affecting every part of society. It's affecting the employers who are looking for to attract talent. And you can't attract talent if there's nowhere for people to live. Because, you know, you, you think of the whole thing, like, do you, you know, do you work to live or are you living to work? And a lot of people are saying, you know, that the money that they're making each month is going on their bills, on their rent, and then they have no way to save. And if you can't save, you can't go to the bank to get a mortgage. You can't go to the, the housing uh, mm. agent or the seller to go and buy a house so where does it you know it's it's a vicious cycle really that people are stuck in but they want to to work but again if you've no quality of life you know and I was talking to some nurses who are working in CUH and they're saying uh, one of them told me that like there's a nurse a month leaving a department in CUH a lot of them are heading to New Zealand Australia in search of something better because they can't find accommodation to, to live near work, but yeah. also any accommodation that is there is really expensive. Or if they wanted to buy a house, it's so expensive. So it's beyond the reach of people. So the only option they see then is to actually leave the country. They're leaving their families, leaving their homes mm-hmm. uh, to, to go uh, across the world. And mm-hmm. I mean, Australia is not exactly down the road, you know. I mean, you're you're not old enough to remember it. I am the last big emigration crisis in the 80s and 90s you know people went because there was no work now we have full employment and they're still leaving that's it their people are still leaving and the stories you hear are just unbelievable like i was talking to a, a nurse again uh, from india and i think you're going to have some of them on there and like you know their families that are back at home can't bring them over unless they have a, a home here so it's like it's you know it's a lonely time for people as well you know and it's it's just uh, it's unbelievable but to see the the thousand people coming out there was posters there was people wearing kind of these cardboard boxes that were shaped in, in houses into houses you know on their heads going along in the in the parade really making a, a state you know, and, and just saying, you know, that we want, you know, they want better. They want a solution for this housing crisis. And there was a mix of political parties, trade unions, charities, activists and members of the public taking part in this all with that shared message, you know, that they want a, a solution to this housing crisis. Uh, Katrina Toomey was there with the High Hopes Choir and they actually, it was lovely, they led out the rally and, you know, singing songs and, and with the music and things like that. So, yeah, it was it was loud, but it was great. Really, a really big a protest in the town. You mentioned, Maureen, thank you for that. You mentioned that some of the nurses that were there. I'm joined uh, by Jaheen, Jibin, and Rima. I hope I have your pronunciations correct. Good morning, all three of you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'll start with you, Rima. Um, what's your situation at present? Um, my situation, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I have a house. I'm here since 2004. So I came in the really, you know, really good time and we were looked after really well by all our colleagues. But I'm currently working in the hospital and I, you know, I have loads of stuff, but my friends are working with me. But they all, the, the situation, what they are going through is very, very tough and it's very sad to hear. Because yeah, people don't have any, you know, they, they don't, they are sharing, they might have one small room, 
and they are all coming with the hope. They are most of them are like a well-settled people from Middle East are coming currently to the hospital here, and they all were really leaving that country only because they wanted to live in a really good condition in Europe, Sanjay, yeah. because they can bring their family, they can be all together. That's the reason they left the work in in Middle East and coming over here. Yeah. But yeah. when they come here, you know their expectation is completely changed because they can't believe you know they can't get a house, yeah. and they have to share a tiny room with yeah. people, and they can't even have a private conversation. You know they can't even make a phone call That's to right. their family members in a, in in a private manner. Very so difficult. It, yeah, they find it very difficult. People, you know, when they are coming to work, people are stressed. We can't even go for break together. You know, we will always say like we have to mingle, we have to talk to Irish people to, lo- to learn the culture. But they are not even coming for break together because they are keep ringing or looking at the dart, trying to find a house. Wow. So this is what they are doing, even at workplace. Even even so, on your break, you're trying to, you're trying to find yeah. a place to live. Rima, stay there for me. Uh, Jean, bring you in here now. Y- your own situation, like Rima told me, where is yeah. she? Yeah. Tell uh, me. Uh, yeah, my name is uh, it's Jitin. Jitin, okay. Uh, Jitin, yeah, yeah. Uh, I work as a nurse in CUH, and uh, I was in Riley representing an organization called COINS, Cork Indian Nurses. Uh, we are around uh, thousand, more than 1,000 members in the group. Okay. Uh, basically, there are loads of members, approximately around uh, 40, 50 nurses coming to just uh, Cork City itself, uh, CUH, and uh, Mercy Hospital itself every month. I'm here like last six years. I'm still renting a house close to CUH. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to uh, get for the mortgage, but uh, I'm paying most of my rent. Um, I mean, my salary for the rent last. So there's no savings left uh, when I go for the mortgage. So the basic problem is like, you know, we, we can't save properly when the, you know, um, salary, half, more than half of the salary is going just for the rent. Wow. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's uh, it's a really difficult situation uh, here. Uh, basically, um, especially the nurses coming uh, nowadays, they can't find uh, find an accommodation at all anywhere close. Uh, they uh, the problem when they're coming is they can't uh, go anywhere further from the hospital area they're working because they don't drive. And you know uh, the public transport system here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the work schedule starts from seven o'clock uh, until nine o'clock. So, so the commuting, if they, if they rent the house far, is difficult. So it is um, very important for them to find an accommodation anywhere close to their workplace. And it's just not, there is no houses available for renting at all. Yeah. Uh, if there is one, the renting uh, goes more than 2,500. Oh, that, is the, that is the real rent situation here in Wilton. Yeah. Are you living alone or do you have someone share uh, No, I rent, I rent with my wife. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, we are together uh, last one year, uh, uh, so we can't really accommodate more people into the house when oh, no. we are a family together. I understand. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I understand yeah. that. Well, that's that's hard. Let me, let me bring in uh, Jibin at this stage. Jibin, hi. Hi, how are you? What's your story? Where you're you're also nursing here in Cork? Uh, I'm also a nurse. I work in CUS as well. Yeah, I'm also in here almost for six years of time now. Uh, it's the situation is uh, is not the one of what I expected when I come into Ireland because, you know, um, uh, it's it's hard to be away from my family, my parents, my friends, uh, the country I born and I, I I lived for 30 years of time, so I came in with a lot of expectations into Ireland so that I can have it a, a, a good life as time 
will be improved and I can support my family back in India. That was all the expectations when I came in here. So uh, when I came in initially, like uh, I wasn't married, but I got married after a year and I was trying to bring my wife over to Ireland. I couldn't, I did, I wasn't able to find a house at that time. It was, I'm talking about three years back or yeah, almost four years back now. Uh, I had to, I had to call my friend for help and I had to stay in in his house in a room for three months before I find a house when I bought in my house, bought in my Brought in my wife into Ireland, yeah. but that's that. I was a kind of sure, like I, I would, I would find a house in some stage in three years before. But that that story is gone now. No, no one can, no one can even think about they they may get a house in Ireland now in Cork now. Yeah. I, I know many of the people like who uh, who came into Ireland uh, from uh, leaving their family, their young children, their one year old, two year old back in home thinking like um, they would get a house soon. Yeah. Especially when they all work in Middle East, they go, what they do, like when, when one of the family member, like the husband is at the wife, when they get a job in Ireland, they come into Cork, so the family go back to India, thinking they would be all able to come into uh, Cork in a couple of months or three months of time. So they, they again, they can have a re- reunification and yes. have a happy life in Cork. But what happens then, they come into Ireland, then they don't get a house. They are searching for months and months now. I, I know a couple of girls, like, they're crying every every day, every day. After six months of time, seven months of time, they can't find a house to bring their family in. That's, that's such a... Such a so they're leaving family behind them in India. What's, like, what's your own family situation, may I ask? Yeah, I... So then later I go to my family in. I, I have a kid and I, I, my wife came along with me. I got a house couple of months staying with my friend thereafter but I'm really afraid I'm, I'm very much afraid now because if my owner asked me to move out from this house I don't know what I'll do I won't be able to find a house for sure but in case even I'm searching and searching if I find a house I won't be able to I won't be able to definitely manage that rent amount because you don't get a house for at least 2000 euro in Ireland in Cork now you, it's very hard to find yeah. Many of my friends, they are sharing with two, two families in a house for 2,500 euro, 2,600 euro. But where, where is their privacy? Why don't, like, how can they have a life without a privacy yes. for years and years? That's not possible. So I'm really afraid this moment in case if my owner asks me to move out. I don't know. I may go, I may go back home. Yeah. No, no. And that, I'm, and we, we would, I mean, it's, it's so many Indian people you know, providing such wonderful nursing care in our hospitals, it would be awful to lose them. Jitin, your situation again, come back to, to, to me here, and what Jabina has just made the point there, people are thinking about going back home because there's nothing for them here. Uh, yeah, basically, uh, there is no, um, you know, because just because the situation, uh, it, is, um, it is directly affecting the healthcare system here. Uh, the amount of money, effort, and time put on to bring and nurture a nurse into the health uh, HSE or healthcare system here is so huge. Um, it starting from the interview they're conducting in India, Philippines, or in a Middle Eastern country, uh, then um, relocating them here, uh, having their um, adaptation or aptitude test, which is a really stressful situation. And they goes like uh, it takes like more than six months uh, for for us to settle in here in the initialman. Even though we are uh, ten or fifteen years experienced abroad or in India, yeah, uh, a new workplace is a new beginning. So it is really a stressful situation, especially in a, in a new country. Uh, so 
from that uh, stage onwards, uh, we are happy that uh, when I came here, the agency provided us two months of accommodation, but that was with the family. We'll have to m- find uh, our own accommodation uh, in two months' time. Uh, I was happy that uh, I was I was a bachelor at that stage, so uh, a couple of us together uh, got a house to rent at that stage. But later, when I had a family, I have to move and mm-hmm. find my own. So the nursing, uh, so what I'm talking is uh, the amount of money. And I think uh, it will, it's more than 5,000 euro uh, for, for HSC uh, to nurture a nurse. They, you know, they pay around more than 5,000 euro yeah. uh, per nurse to relocate them here into uh, the system. Yes. And because of the housing crisis here, in a year or two, most of the nurses coming uh, into HSC is moving to Australia or uh, New Zealand, which is a shame, like just because of the housing crisis. Yeah. Basically, we are moving over to New Zealand with, with a good hope that we can bring our family and settle in here. Because yeah. Ireland is a beautiful country, beautiful people to walk with, um, a good place to settle in. But because of the housing crisis, we can't do that. Yeah. We are forced to move to another place, and maybe we, Australia and, and or, yeah. And, we, and, and we, great loss for, for the healthcare system here. And we will lose your talents to another country. And that is so sad. Jihin and Jabin and Rima, thank you all. Uh, they were at that protest on Saturday where there was a huge turnout uh, of the general public um, across the city and county. Any thoughts? Were you there? I'd love to talk to you. 0818 96 96 96. Moray did talk to some protesters. I'll bring you that one a little later. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Get ready to meet the Cork's 96FM Street Fleet. Heading your way soon. Join Simon Murdoch and the 96FM Street Fleet live this Wednesday for the opening day of the Cork Midsummer Festival. We're broadcasting from the Marina Market from midday with great music, fun and giveaways. The Cork Midsummer Festival showcases exhilarating theatre, dance and music, trailblazing ideas and so much more. Get all the details at CorkMidsummer.com. Be at the Marina Market from midday this Wednesday with Cork's 96FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Uh, the 0925 Cork to Houston train, Cork to Dublin train, was 30 minutes behind schedule, one assumes, uh, because of the accident by the bridge. That's just a tweet from Ernard Aaron to say that that bridge has been cleared and is now safe for traffic. The only question I'm asking myself there, lads, is it safe for traffic to go over it or safe for traffic to go under it? But that's an Ernard Aaron notice. So they say now that their trains can go over the bridge as normal which I'm assuming it means 
that the bus has been taken from underneath it or that everything is okay, but we'll see what else comes in. If you're still out there, let us know. We've got lots of pictures in of the bus in the position it was in maybe half an hour ago, which was tilted to its side, having seemingly hit the the butt of the bridge there, the wall of the bridge. The Aaron Aaron tweet says that the train has been able to go over, which leads me to assume the bus is okay, but the bus, the bridge is okay, but we'll see. 0818 96 96 96 is the number of the text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Remember, in addition to our week in Ibiza, we're spending a week with our friends at the Everyman this week. We have tickets and dinner for a show, a show from their fantastic summer season. And today, I have two tickets for you to go to see Buffy Revamped. And we'll also send you to dinner at McGettigan's Cookhouse. You need to identify a voice for us. Who is this? His name and yours, please, to 083 396 96 96. This car could be systematic, hydromatic, ultramatic. Why could it be grease lightning? Could, of course. Could, of course. <laughs> right, where are we going? Oh, yeah, back to the protest. Uh, the Raise the Roof protest in Cork on Saturday afternoon, which, as Moray described for you, huge crowd at it. There was music and marchers and she, we spoke to some of the Indian nurses who had quite a sizable group there and they told us about their situation. But Maureen went along the parade, along the duration of the parade and she spoke to some of the protesters who were out on the day. My name's Judith. I'm here just to show support and to and to demand a proper action from the government because this housing crisis has been going on for as long as I can remember. Um, and like, and still, their figures have have gone higher and higher. And there are over three thousand children homeless in this country at the moment. And it's just, I I can't believe that the government um, is doing almost nothing to to provide this human right. We just need proper housing immediately. It's like instead of like focusing on your exams, you're focusing on where can I find a place to live next year, you know? A huge amount of people that never thought they'd be in this situation that are there now, they're bewildered by what's going on and they don't know who to turn to for help. Actually, if the if the government doesn't provide housing, there's nobody you can turn to. We don't need to hear of the plans, what's coming down the line. We need an assurance that housing will be made available for all. No. I see the fear in the eyes, the tears in the eyes, and the people coming to the door, and I have no answers for them. It's, that's the job of the government. The government are not give me any answers to give them, and I can't give them any answers, but my heart is truly broken for all of them. Martin, you've been up and down to the jaw every Thursday. Yes, it was week 57 this Thursday, last Thursday. Um, so, yeah, I'm still doing it. Um, play from one to two outside the doll. And I play my song, Everyone Should Have a Home. And tell me what your own situation is like at the moment. I have an eviction notice looming. I haven't been served yet. And what's that feeling like? That feeling is kind of terrifying. It's especially terrifying in uh, going out into the market these days where there's um, no availability and what is available is just so far out of the price range, it's um, unaffordable. Yeah, unaffordable. That's the word. What's there, you can't afford, and there isn't a whole pile of it there anyway. Thanks to Moraid for that. Just go back to the, the nurses we spoke to before 10 o'clock. I hope they had a great day yesterday. There was a, a big event out at the Bars Club organised, among others, by Jitin, who was talking to before, and Rima, 
who was talking to before 10 there. They had a, a cultural day, just a summer fest with all sorts of music and dance and culture. Great. And they had a packed house, I believe, at St. Finbar's yesterday. Good to see. 0818 96 96 96. Now, another event at the weekend that could, of course, not have gone without notice or not have gone without mention was the funeral of Teddy Mac. Uh, Glanmire was packed all weekend as people stood by the side of the road just to say farewell and thanks to the great Teddy Mac who passed away suddenly. Suddenly wasn't the word. He died in his sleep last Monday night um, and his death was announced on Tuesday evening. And we remember talking to the 1990 captains, Larry Tompkins and Tomás Mull, but their shock and upset uh, at the sudden loss of their dear friend and and uh, and playing colleague over the years, and the outpouring of grief and love, just pure love, for uh, Teddy Mac over the last few days was was incredible to watch, incredible to, to see, incredible to behold. I was delighted to see uh, something that people started ringing in about on Thursday. That that cups the Liam McCarthy and the Sam Maguire should be in Cork, or at very least replicas should be in Cork for the funeral. And they were both there, both the Cups were at the funeral on Saturday, which was fantastic. And I think I saw somewhere where Larry and Mull uh, held the Cups. And then they were at the club, at Teddy's beloved club at the weekend too. And there's a fantastic montage photo went up from Glanmire GA of the cups and pictures of Teddy. And it was really lovely, really, really lovely. Um, the funeral was a packed house. Uh, I didn't go myself. I watched some of it online. I didn't go for the simple reasons. I, Teddy and I, I didn't, I didn't know him well. I, I would meet him and chat with him and laugh with him infrequently. The last time I'd seen him was maybe 2019. Um, and I felt if I went down there and took a seat in that church, well, someone who knew him a lot better and was a lot closer to him, wouldn't get a seat, so I didn't go. But I did watch it. I did watch it online. Um, I know Father Pat Fogarty of old, because um, he was in Carrick Line for many years, and he was in Ballinock before that when he was a very young priest, Tipperary man. He was the chief celebrant on Saturday at uh, Teddy's Requiem Mass. And uh, here's just some of what he had to say about uh, the great Teddy Mac. Teddy gave great example not forcing his religious views on anybody, but quietly coming to church and by so doing, getting others to question and inspiring them to seek, to seek God as well. So he's no stranger to the Lord. So we pray now the Mass, which is the greatest prayer that Christ left us. Every Mass we say, my friends, is a um, celebration of God's love. You mightn't always think that or experience it when you go to church. That's what it's meant to be, celebrating the love of God. In this Mass, in spite of the pain, the sadness, and the darkness, there is hope. We're assured that even though it's a very, very sad day for all of us here present, particularly for the McCarthy family, it's not a sad day for Teddy, because he's enjoying the rewards of, of a life well lived. So we celebrate his life in this Mass. Secondly, every Mass we see, my friends, is a prayer of thanksgiving. The word Mass comes from the Greek word Eucharist, which means literally, to give thanks. So in the Mass, we thank God for the wonderful gifts and talents that he gave to Teddy. And for Teddy's commitment and sacrifice and dedication 
in developing and using those talents. We thank God for the many hours of pleasure and joy and entertainment he brought to Og, Cork, Glenmire and Sarsfolk. And even though at times he broke our hearts in Tipperary, we, had, we always admired, he was, he was greatly admired and respected. Anyone who knows anything about GE couldn't but admire Teddy. So we thank God for all that, and particularly central to his life. There are many sides to Teddy, not just the GA side, which is the main topic of conversation, but central to his life was his family. So we thank God for Una and Keen and Niall and Sinead and Tiernan and Joey especially as well, and for all who are supportive to him. And finally, every Mass is a prayer of petition where we ask God for something. And when someone we love dies, particularly when someone as adored and loved and esteemed as Teddy Mac, are, where we, don't, we don't know what to say. Words are superfluous. Words are inadequate to express our sympathy, our empathy to you, the family. But words are not that important, but presence is. So all of us gathered here, my friends, we're at different stages in our faith journey. That's not important. The fact that we're here is a symbol of our support for Teddy's family. Yeah, um, nice words from uh, Father Pat Fogarty, indeed. The eulogy at the church was given by Kean, uh, Teddy's son. This was much reported uh, over the weekend in, in the papers. And as someone who's done this, there are... There are fewer things in your life that you'll do that are tougher as a son. And there are fewer things in your life that are a greater privilege as a son than to speak about your dad at his funeral. Trust me, I've done it. Um, and Kean had that task on, on Saturday. And just like his dad would have done with a task like that, he rose to it. I was thinking... Should I write stuff down? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I said, realistically, no, because Teddy never followed the script anyway. <laughs> so I said, look, I'll try wing it and speak from the heart, because that's something he would have done himself. I could go on and on about all the games he played, and everyone knows all those stories. So I just wanted to say a few things about maybe the last five or ten years, especially when his grandkids are born, my two sons. Um, he really mellowed out over those few years, I mean, we joke about it at home, like, but I suppose all his life, he was so wound up, because like he sacrificed everything he had to play GA and make sure that that came first. But like, when my two lads were born, he really put time into them, um, teach them how to play, hurling, football, everything. He used to even be giving out to me for giving out to them. And I said, we used to be, myself and I used to be slagging, saying, geez, if you want to use like that, and we were going up. <laughs> Last Monday, it was kind of a funny day because we all actually were with him. He came to our game um, in Ballinock. We had a few points after. I think it was a fitting day for everything he stood for. So, you know, playing a game, watching a game, going out after, talking about the game, dissecting the game. That was what, like, that was what it was all about to him. <laughs> Um, and, again, he even told Niall he played well, which is another rarity. <laughs> but look, I, still, I can't say anymore that hasn't been said, 
and look, I'd just like to thank you all again. And um, I'm sure, look, we'll, we'll drive on now, we'll stand tall, because that's, that's exactly what he done for all of us. Thank you. Yeah, there's just, just some edited highlights there from the eulogy given by uh, Kean McCarthy. We just felt it was fitting for anybody who thought the, the incredible outpouring of love. I've not seen anything like it in a very long time of calls and messages and texts, WhatsApps to the show last week uh, when, when Teddy passed away. We just felt it was important this morning to mark uh, the funeral. Um, so so uh, thanks for bearing with us on that one. 0818 96 96 96. I mentioned this at the very top of the programme at 9 o'clock. I was in town yesterday briefly to come in town for a message. I got the bus in and I was driving home. But as I got the bus in, I got off there by the library and I walked across down past Olive Plunkett yeah, down, down, down past um, St. Augustine's Church there, down the Cold Quay, down onto the quay, up over the bridge, and whatever. The place is manky. Absolutely flipping manky. The streets are filthy. And then we read that all of the street cleaning vehicles are out of commission at the moment. And I was driving in then this morning and there's one of the fantastic lads who's out every morning including Christmas morning when you and I are either getting up to go to work or still asleep in our beds cleaning up and sweeping up and mopping up and gathering all the stuff and I thought how flipping soul destroying for those guys because even when they do take away all the detritus and mess from the weekend um, the play, what's left beneath is, is just manky and uh, I want to talk about it a little bit with some people who share my views and there are some photos Wayne Stansfield from Pinocchio Toys put up some photos of the weekend and others too from various parts of the city it is in a disgraceful condition we'll go there next join the conversation this is the opinion line with hidden hearing focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years they're all ears visit hiddenhearing.ie Cox 96 all of the street cleaning gear around the city at the moment, other than the fellas out with their yard brushes of a morning doing a great job. One of them, the vehicles, has been out of commission since June 6th, which is a week tomorrow. The others have been out of operation for the past two weeks. And the street scrubber, this is the one with the big brushes on it for cleaning pathways and stuff. The brush mechanism went out of order in March and they're currently awaiting parts. Parts need to be fitted, and they have to come from the UK. And they're blaming Brexit. I don't flipping believe it. They're blaming Brexit. Please. 0818969696. Why on Stansfeld, you are the one who put up all those photographs over the weekend, and when I was walking through... Yesterday afternoon, I was very disheartened at the state of the plate. It is disgraceful. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, it, it is shockingly bad. I mean, and to be fair to them, there do clean sections. I mean, Paul Street was cleaned two weeks ago, probably for the first time in a couple of years. But nevertheless, it was spotlessly clean. But by two days later, you know, Coca-Cola has been poured on it and... The end of Paul Street in front of Boots, which was one of my photographs, was absolutely filthy. And I mean, you know, you've got this lovely light-coloured paving 
and it's just disgusting, and particularly around the bins. Mm. Yeah, you know? one gets the impression the bins are not being emptied way frequently enough. Um, or no, I mean they cleaning are when they are done. Yeah, I, mean, I think clean it, around I think them. you need to clean around them. I think I think the problem is to be fair to the guy who empties them, he works like <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable. Oh yeah, there but there's not enough of him. Night. But there's not enough of him, and even when they are emptied, people are chucking their Coke cans around them, they're chucking full drinks into them. Now, I mean, I don't blame City Council for the litter because City Council are not going around there throwing litter on the ground. When we come in in the morning, it's generally spotless. Mm. Mm. I met the lads this morning as I was turning onto Corn Market Street about a quarter past seven. I met one of the lads with his his yard brush and his his truck. Doing a fabulous job as always. Yeah, no, I mean, they generally, the litter is picked up continuously throughout the day. Now, by mid-afternoon, you know, like people have chucked, I mean, we get stuff chucked behind the flower boxes. There's a bin 10 paces around the corner. You know, they don't make it as far as that. People chuck litter in the side of the bin in front of Emmett Place. There's two bins on Emmett Place, three bins on Emmett Place. Um, And they still can't manage to get them into those bins. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it's, it is people as well. I mean, it's a lack of pride on the sure, part of sure. people. I remember I had that conversation a couple of years ago. I think it was during, it was during COVID, actually, when people could drink and socialise out, outdoors. And we said, if there were more bins, the place would clean it. There are more bins, and the place there is still manky. No, I mean, it, has, it does come down to people. I mean, but city council are the ones who look after the, the cleaning of the surface. Yes, you know, people can't look after the cleaning of surface. And I totally accept that in every city, people spill Coke or spill drinks on the ground and then people walk through it. I mean, some guy, father, in front of the shop a couple of weeks ago, kicked his, his child, dropped his ice cream, and the father got angry and kicked the ice cream across the front of the shop. And you're going, well, like, you know, what's the, where's the help in that? <laughs> Who's going to clean that up like? Yeah, I mean, it's usually, I mean, we try, I mean, since the, since, the, since the front of the shop was cleaned, we have tried to always go out in the morning and clean the bird poop off the ground mm. and, and anything else that was in front of the shop just so that the paving stays clean. Because obviously it, it comes into the shop as well, mm. you know, on people's feet. So, mm. and, and we've had a couple of spots of rain over the last couple of days and it just gets sticky as well. It just gets sticky and it moves further. I mean... If you go to the corner of Paul Street and um, Rory Gallagher Place, which is owned by, not by the city council. I mean, Rory Gallagher Place is a disgrace when tourists come out of it. Mm. And the rain hasn't done anything to that other than move the dirt around a bit. You know, um, it, it, it's just, it's very frustrating. And when you read then that all of this kit is out of order... Number one. Yeah. And number two, they're blaming flipping Brexit. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, I would have to say, ah, oh, come on. I mean, for a start, is that, is that um, cleaning machine not German-made? Um, you know, I mean, that, 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 that comes back to your point. There should be more. Mm. You know, when you've, when you've only got one cleaning machine in a city the size of this, and you've got two sweepers, and, you know, you're down... One, you know, you're down a third if only one of them is broken, and now we're down a hundred percent. There is there a power. I've seen fellas with a power hose. Yeah, they. They. I saw a, when I put up those pictures a short time afterwards. Um, City council tweeted a picture of um, amazing movie. Um, tweeted a picture of the lads cleaning on the 
Grand Parade. Um, because again, the Grand Parade has lovely new paving, which needs to be continuously clean. Yes. I mean, if you've got gatherings of people, you're going to get dirt on the ground. I, I, like I said, I accept the litter. The litter theoretically is not city council. You know, mm, yes, they, they should it's pick people. it up. It's, it's people. people. Yeah. But yeah. that kind of grot on the ground, yeah. people can't clean that up. No, they can't. Know. Again, yesterday, my my trip to town involved walking from the library bus stop there up towards Corn Market Street. And it was a lovely scene. There was people sitting around. It was a very nice evening. There was people sitting around enjoying the the, the atmosphere of town. There was a fellow going around actually with a picker um, picking up litter. And he was having a laugh with two girls that were sitting there under the robot tree. He was having a laugh with them. One girl, had was she, she had just finished a banana and the, the the skin was down next to her on the bench and your man leaned in with the picker and grabs the banana skin and he, she was laughing at him and he says, well, you don't want to eat it, do you? Do you know, she's a bit, but that's grand. And there he is at quarter to six on the Sunday evening doing oh, great yeah, work. I mean- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you know? But the no, f- I mean, they the do. Round around is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and that's the problem is they 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 do have lads out picking stuff. I mean, there's a guy called Frank who's brilliant, picks up every cigarette butt, <laughs> you name it, mm. and plays a spotless afterwards. Um, but like, you know, he's going continuously all day from first thing in the morning, but he can't clean that gunk. spilled coke and gunk. It needs to be cleaned on a continuous basis, yeah. particularly in the summer when there's not enough rain. All right. Well, I'll leave it there. Thank you. That's Ryan Stansfeld of uh, Pinocchio Toys right there in the heart of the city centre. Now, Francis Bonner runs the Cork and Kinsale Culinary Tour, tour guide. Francis, uh, you've, seen, you've seen the state of the streets. Mankey, good morning. Hi, good morning, PJ. How are you? Great. Good. They're not, they're, they're, they're not presentable at the moment, are they? They haven't been, no. And I think, look, I'm trying to be objective here. Um, I think the lack of rain, you know, I mean, it rains a lot here, so the streets, the footpaths look shiny and clean a lot of the time. But with the dry weather, they are absolutely shocking. Um, And I'm walking with tourists every day, so obviously I'm walking slow and I see the dirt on the footpath and it's, it's really embarrassing. Some of the streets I avoid altogether because they're the worst. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just think it's such a shame and, and they do notice it and I said, oh, I know, look, and you make up some excuse, but uh, it, it's not good enough. Mm. 
you, you make the point that in France, for example, it's customary for business owners to come out at the, during the morning or early in the morning and just scrub the area oh. outside their, their business. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I've lived in France for years, Paris, the Dordogne, and now I go up to Bordeaux a lot. My daughter lives there. And every morning, French business people, whether they own the shop or not, you know, they may just be staff, they're out scrubbing the, the, the footpath in front of the shop with a bucket of water. Mm. Now, I did take a photo and I praised the girl at Brown Thomas because she was doing it. And I said, fair play to you. Mm. She was out scrubbing the uh, footpath. And she said, oh, I know it's shocking. She said, you know, I, I won't even tell you what we find here. And then uh, as I was walking, I noticed there's a couple of new, I won't say who, high-end shoe shop. And outside their shop was a disgrace. And you see the staff are standing inside. They could be doing that. So I'm not blaming the council. I just think where's a bit of civic pride, you know? Mm. Yeah. Where, where somebody would go out with a bucket and it looks good. And if someone starts, they'll all do it. Yes. If enough people were to yeah. take it upon themselves to do it, a, a bucket of hot water and, and a bit of chlorus or whatever you want to put into it for morning and a, and a, and a exactly. yard brush, yeah. y- your own place would be... Now, people will argue, I guess, Francis, we have enough to be doing. We have a busy day. Times are tough, you know? Well, I've heard the argument that... And, and, and they will say, Francis, Francis, they will say we pay rates. And that's the valid one. We that's pay true. rates. Exactly. And I did call the council. I was on to the council and I spoke to a very nice lady... And she told me um, that they, have, they are out power hosing the footpaths, but she said they have a very limited time. They have to do it very early morning or very or in the afternoon. And, of course, with outside dining, now it's very hard. But she told me they did all, um, all of Plunkett Street. And I must say, a, a lot of the streets do look better since just maybe 10 days ago. Right. Because, it, I mean, look, it's bright at 5 in the morning. You know, they could be out of the power hose doing yeah, a bit, yeah. doing a bit, and the, the fact that all the all the all the stuff is broken is just soul destroying. Well, the other thing that looks ridiculous and is uh, the phone boxes, those empty metal phone boxes. Oh yeah, everybody is graffitiing on them. Uh, they look at the scrape. We got permission from Air in Kinsale. Air handed it over to the council, and we painted our one in Kinsale. Now it just. We didn't do anything to it except we put on a lovely bright coat of paint and it looks great. Looks and nice. I would yeah. be happy to go around the city if, some, if I had a few volunteers and a bucket of paint, <laughs> I would paint the phone boxes. Yeah. They well, are a disgrace. And yeah. someone said to me, there's no point, they're going to destroy them. But I think that if something looks nice, they're less inclined to destroy it. And it, they can't look as bad as they're looking right now. No, you're, you're right. Francis, how are things going on the tour? I mean, you have the Cork and Kinsale Culinary Tours and Bonner Travel. That's your company. How is business? We were hoping that 2023 things were starting to get busy again. Oh, PJ, it's, great. it's a good year. It's totally different from last year. Fantastic. The numbers are way up. Started early, right after Patrick's weekend. Um, I'm busy. I mean, I've got a tour every day of the week now, um, Kinsale or Cork. So it's great. And a lot of people are now coming through Cork instead of going into Dublin. They're hearing about Cork as a food destination. So they're, they're coming in and they're, they're avoiding Dublin. So these flights, you know, connection flights are very important. Like, because they're not coming directly from the States, but they're getting connection flights. Yes. Yes. And, um, 
just to get another little plug in. You know the the Bordeaux, the Cork to Bordeaux flight. Indeed. Well, I go over every few months. As I said, my daughter lives there, so I now have a Bordeaux food tour, culinary tour, and it's a lovely tour. You're doing a tour over in Bordeaux. I'm doing a tour, and I joined the the uh, Irish women in Bordeaux group there, and straight away met a lovely Irish lady from Tipperary. Been living in Bordeaux twenty odd years, and was, she's uh, in hospitality, and she's doing the tours when I'm not there. I was there a couple of times for rugby. A uh, fabulous place. Fabulous. And yes. for, for, for a big city, yes. I mean, they're the people Spotless. now you see out every morning, sweeping down their streets, is manky. Larry says, surely they could send 10 councillors and partners to some sunny city in Europe for a week to see how they keep the place clean. They're good at that sort of thing. You know what, Larry, I'll be in, in Lanzarote at the end of July and the beautiful walkway there, the strip, the front strip, is called the Avenida de las Playas. And, and because of the way that my body clock works, I'm up most mornings and out strolling by half seven, quarter to eight at the latest and the cleaning and the scrubbing and the spraying that goes on just to make that place beautiful and presentable again every single morning. And Francis is right, it is business owners. It is business owners, but it also is the local the local council doing it as well. And anywhere I've ever been on holidays, they do that. Beaches, beaches that are manky at seven o'clock in the evening um, are spotless by the morning time. We just don't get it here. And I'm glad that Moyan agreed with me. This utter tripe that parts have to come from the UK for this yoke that's broken. And because of Brexit, we can't get them. Please do better. And and don't 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 treat us like Egypts. Uh, with, with with nonsense like that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Bernie says I'm with PJ with all this talk about protecting the environment. People can't just walk around the corner to use a bin. Don't people understand? Plastic ends up in rivers and the sea, and the disease spreads that way. Yes, you're right. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Message here, I didn't end up using this, but I did bring it with me just in case I needed it. In my junior cert, I put cheat notes into a sanitary pad, and my plan was if I needed to do it, needed to go to the loo, the supervisor wouldn't suspect anything. That could get very confusing, though. <laughs> that could get very confusing. It's like, when should you mix butane and methane together? And you look open the thing and you're like, always. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at No DC Cars, Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Talking about the state of the place, the state of the city, and you know you get accused by people of talking down the city. We should be told 
You should always be pushing the positive. And we do that better than anybody. But right now, the city is manky dirty. It's a disgrace. Rose, good morning. Hello to you. How are you, PJ? You'd agree with me? Well, totally. I couldn't believe it, PJ, last Thursday afternoon. I was with my friend waiting for the bus on the parade. I would never get the bus to go home from there, but I, you couldn't see the colour of the, the footpaths. They were just filthy. And to be so embarrassing as well. It was so embarrassing. There was a big crowd of people. They looked like Americans waiting, standing around to be picked up. And a bus came for them, but they couldn't sit on the seats under the trees because they were being fouled up by the boards. Mm. And we were, I was totally embarrassed. I know you love your city and so do I, but I was never so embarrassed and mortified. Yeah. Well, I do. I'm nervous now here talking to you. Okay, girl. I, I do love my city. Yes, you do. I'm and, always listening to you talking about it, sir. You know, there's nothing nicer than to come in of a morning and, and, and see it having been cleaned. But well, you see, the lads are breaking their backs with the What I must say now is there was no litter where we were, yes, exactly. but it was the filth. Filth. And, um, and in a beautiful place across from Bishop Lucy Park and the fountain, and I wouldn't. There were express buses pulling up and people getting out with, with little small suitcases, getting onto this filthy footpath. I was mortified, absolutely. I was never so ashamed of being Cork, living in Cork, you know. And as I said, I wouldn't normally get my bus there with my friend, but we we decided we'd go there. We got off the bus from Crossaven, would you believe? And it stopped on the parade and then we just crossed the road mm. and, oh, God, for about 10 minutes we were waiting. I was never so embarrassed about being from Cork. The city is bad enough with lack of shops and Partick Street is sad. But I mean, there's no excuse for filth. You're right. Filth everywhere. And they just had nowhere to sit. That beautiful coffee shop at the edge of Oliver Plunkett Street there was packed. People sitting down. And it was a lovely day. And, oh God, I was... I, when I heard you, I switched on the radio there and I heard you and I said, I have to ring up now and say, because you're right, PJ, it's just embarrassing. There's no excuse for it whatsoever. No. None at all. Rose, thank you for your call and don't be nervous and do call again. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. 0818 96 96 Brendan, state of the place. Hello. Good morning, PJ. Hi. What would you like to say? I just like to say that you know this, you know, has gone beyond litter. It is now a serious public health hazard. And I walked through town there last Tuesday, and I was shocked with the amount of bodily fluids that were on the the street, excrement, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think I think like it's just disgusting, and it has been for years. This is not just a new problem, PJ. You know. Mm. I think with the bit of dry weather we had over the last few, with a lot of dry weather we had over the last few weeks, it's just dried up and it's now starting to smell. It is an an absolutely horrible smell. Um, They obviously wait just for wet weather to try and clean the street. I think as well, PJ, that they expect people to go outdoor dining. No, this is a serious problem because, I mean, people are literally dining in kind of urine on the streets, God knows what, you know. Mm. And I think myself that the Cork Business Association would really want to put pressure on the city council, you know, because, to, I mean... To be if fair they, to some of the businesses and and, and, the, and the, the hostelries in particular that have yeah. outdoor seats, they're out scrubbing their little area as best they can. 
Mm. Oh, they're paying rates, they shouldn't have to, but they are. You know, it's the street around them is filthy. Yeah, and that, that's the point I'm making, you see. I'm not blaming them, obviously, because mm. they're obviously very industrious, as you say. But the irony is they're paying huge rates, yeah. and I think it would be in their own interest to get city councils to clean the roads, to clean the paths, because obviously they can't get around to the Corp Business Association. So I think they should pressure PJ on the council, you know. And I also think other public reps should now insist, they shouldn't ask, that the officials please clean up the city. You had the um, the Lord Mayor on there a number of weeks ago, I was listening. Mm. You asked her a particular question, PJ, when she walks through Cork, what does she see? No. Dear God, what does she see is what I'm thinking, you know? Because, I mean, if she can't see the stated place, there's nothing being done about it. Cork City is a kind of an all-go area. I mean, I'm from the city myself. I went to school in the city. I love Cork, and it really annoyed me to see, you know, that the state of it, you know? And as well as that, PJ, City Council have a marketing slogan, We are Cork. Mm. Oh, dear God, if we are Cork, I'm sorry. That is absolutely dreadful. I find it, you know, insulting to say we are Cork, you know. There seems to be an inertia and a lack of will to do anything about it. But as I say, the only way it will be done is that then if our officials, our city councillors, please insist that they do it, you know. All right. Um, what was I going to say to you, Dan? And also, uh, another point, PJ, is we have no public toilets in the second city of the yeah, Republic. Yeah. I mean, this is beyond a joke. They're expecting the shopping centres to provide public toilets for the people. No, you get all this this kind of excuses, this and excuses that, that they're being abused, etc, etc, etc. But all you simply have to do is put on two people on it, charge two euro to get in, put on a really good facility. There should be a minimum of two, one maybe along McCurtain Street and the other maybe along Washington Street or Patrick Street. And if not, more. They pay for themselves. If the will was there, it could be done. Yeah. The guy there that um, he visited Cork from CNN, Quest. Oh, You know, yes. the guy Quest means I business. Do we talked about that at the time. And someone, yeah. someone in City Hall, somebody in City Hall, Brendan, at the time, had the sheer... What's it, City Hall? Some public... Somebody, anyway, who is in a position and in a salary to know better, said, well, he turned the wrong direction when he came out the English market. If he'd gone well, the I other did, way, he'd have seen a different picture. I have the answer for him, PJ. He could turn any way he liked like a Rubik's Cube, you can turn it any way you want. The whole place is in a disgusting condition and they should be ashamed of themselves. And I think, you know, while the likes of yourself are doing excellent work, etc., etc., I always feel these conversations, they wait for them to blow into the ether. So what I'm hoping to do is that the Corp Business Association get on board with this, our city councillors get on board with it, and cry a stop from it. I mean, when I heard the blame for Brexit, dear God, are they blaming Brexit for the drought? You know, I mean, it is, <laughs> I mean, I know, yeah, I know, yeah. It, 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 it's beyond belief. Thank you. Listen, Brendan, leave it there. Brent, yeah, blaming Brexit for not being able to get a part for a street cleaner is just stupid. Thank you, Brendan. 0818969696. Valerie has been on the WhatsApp voice note. Hi, PJ. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up now about the city. They are actually manky. And this was an ongoing thing since COVID, really, since the town opened up but um, I have to say there by the app house if you're coming over Christie Bridge you're hitting the town lovely Emmett Square just by the opera house door it's covered in dried and vomit every week there's no one seems to clean it is it the opera house job is it the council I would imagine it's council's job but and you know what the opera house is such a lovely place such a lovely venue 
it's just constantly there no matter where you go um, there was tourists up by Shandon there the other day we were heading to town and they were trying to take a selfie with Shandon and I said do you want me to take it took the picture anyway like and I just looked around you now by the fucking crane by you know that lovely butter market there we looked in there's a lovely you know that building there's been lovely things going on there and I go all locked up dirt filth everywhere you're actually kind of stepping it's like walking on eggshells going to town you're stepping on dirt it's an awful awful shame and I don't buy that breaks a bit Woody sells scrubbing brushes mops buckets bleach I go down myself with a bottle of bleach and throw it over that's all it takes a bottle of bleach like there's so much protocol and red tape ah listen better <laughs> thanks for that Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You don't have to go as far as Paris, PJ, to see people cleaning outside their shop or their house. They do it in Clonakilty all the time. Cork is just a dirty city. Uh, we not get cleaners from Middleton, Carrigaline, etc., to pitch in with the lack of rain and, uh, and the lack of equipment. Last night I saw a man on the coal quay arriving with two bags of rubbish forcing them into the small hole at the top of the street bin. No wonder the bins are full, says Joe. Yeah, that's been going on for forever. Um, sorry, I can't ring. I'm in work. But can the people claiming social welfare not be out cleaning streets? Joan, do you want to get me cancelled? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. This week on the show, your chance to win the party holiday of a lifetime. Corks ninety six FM's week in Ibiza. You and a friend could be hanging out with this guy. Hi, this is David Gitter and this guy. Yo, what's up? This is Joel Corey in guaranteed sunshine. And your daily hit from the White Isle is guaranteed to play every evening on the Big Drive Home. When you hear it, get ready to text or WhatsApp in to win. Make sure you're with me every weekday from 4. The Big Drive Home. With Independence Music and Arts Festival. Magic and memories at Indy 23. Tickets at independencefestival.com Corks 96 FM The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM And you're listening out for this banger between now and midday. Yeah, as soon as you hear that, get on the phone to us for your chance to be part of our week in Ibiza on Cork's 96 FM. 0818 96 96 96. I give you that. I will guarantee you that in the next half an hour. How's that feel? Right? Just listen and get on the phone straight away to that one. Okay. We have a couple of things. I've got some emails in on foot of our coverage of Teddy Mac's funeral. I will get to them. One of them, quite critical of the coverage of the funeral by... RTE, which I didn't see because I, I don't watch telly in the summer. Uh, and another lady, very upset, um, not 
of about what Kian said. That's Teddy's son. But the fact that he was allowed to say it. I'm very upset. So I get to both of those emails between now and midday. But first, your retained firefighters, 2,000 of them, two-thirds of the National Firefighting Force, if you want to put it in those terms, are on strike at the moment. And if something isn't done about it, that strike is going to get an awful lot worse. If nothing changes by tomorrow, up to 50% of stations around the country could close. Those are the fire stations that just have retained firefighters. And if something isn't done after that, then all of our retained firefighters will go on an all-out strike. It's it's an awful thing to think that two-thirds of the fire service could go on strike overpay and conditions but there have been some fantastic stuff in the newspapers in the last while about the life of a retained firefighter I can remember when I lived in Carrigaline I knew a lad who was a retained firefighter and you'd be out with him, now he didn't drink anyway so you know but you'd be out with him in the pub watching a game and he's there having his coffee or whatever he's having and literally like you'd be getting to the peak of the game and we'd all be excited and his beeper would go off, gone lads gotta go. And that's closest we ever came to to knowing a retained firefighter. Jonathan Madden uh, you're based in Mallow, Jonathan and it's a tough old life fella. Morning. uh, Good morning PJ. Why why do people keep doing it when it is such a tough life? Um, I suppose I'm 23 years Service, um, and I joined it, I suppose, to help uh, make a difference. Uh, I was involved in um, the civil defence and the Red Cross in my days as well, so it was kind of voluntary. And then I found out that I had a love for it and interested, and, and found out what the fire brigade was about, you know. And um, we just got busier and busier. And like we, I suppose, back then we weren't going to medical calls as much as we are now. And no, it's just it's non-stop, and, and each town is different, you know. Mallow is a busy town, Carrigaline, Mid- Middleton. Um, all towns around Cork now have just got busier and busier and the, the demand on the fire service is a lot, lot more. Mm. Plus, again, we do so much more than just medical calls like fires, river, river rescues, uh, or road traffic accidents. Unfortunately, if someone falls upstairs in a house, we'd be called to assist the, the ambulance service and get them down, you know. Um, mm. It's just the, the list goes really, we just We just find that, you know, we're probably the service that can deal with all incidents, you know, and we work International Animal Service and on Garda Shikana, but it's just got to the point now where we can't attract people into the job anymore, PJ, and um, I see it in my own station, like we should have 12, we've only 9 and we're struggling, we advertise, have open days, probably two people turned up, um, we've one person ready to come in now, of two vacancies. Yeah, that line I no hope free. is going to play yeah. ball with us. Jonathan, just be- before we go any further with the conversation, like as we speak right now, is there a possibility that your beeper could go off and you have to drop this exactly, phone? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, well, if yeah. you do, if you do, yeah. you know. Off, yeah, off I'll let you, you know. I, I, you'll hear it in the background. Okay. But I suppose that, that's the reality of it, PJ. You know, you, you, you get up and, like, as I said, look, I was on I was on some of the weekend there now just to make sure we had enough crew and I had a soccer match for my young fella and uh, basically I had to stay down at the end of the field closest to the road and park my car at the edge of the road because if the beeper went off, I had to be there into the car over, back over to the fire station to give the lads a hand, you know, and it's just the reality of it. Now, I saw the soccer match and all, but in the evening, then I had my two lads in the car and um, I collected one from a birthday party because my wife was in town, had to do something, and we got a call, the beeper went off, I had to head to the fire station, my oldest lad 
Oh, that line. In the car, they watched the fire engine go out. They stayed in the car. Mammy came in at the same time, picked them up. You know, um, but that. You, when when we were younger and the kids were younger, we used to take two cars to town. When we had the young kids, because one was to take the kids and herself to town, the other was to get me to the fire station. That's how demanding it is. People don't realise it, you know. Mm. You're twenty four seven on call, turning sixty five days a year. Look, we've we've missed Christmases during. Tony, would you would you possibly, if you're near a window, would you get closer to it because that that signal is. Very clear, yeah, except no. it's dropping out from time to time. Yeah, like Christmas morning, you literally are sitting there having breakfast with the kids and Santa has been and the presents are opened and you're gone. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and like I, I remember oh, probably 15 years ago, my youngest lad was, was very, very young and we got a call around, I think it was half five in the morning and she had to try to contain him till half past eight till I got back to open up the, the Christmas presents from Santa, you know, so it was... Uh, it was a kind of a, a touch-and-go situation whether I'd get back or not, you know. And that's the reality of it, you know. We never know when we're going to be called next. And look, we still, we're still we glad to respond and go and we drop everything. But our families um, are really the backbone of us, you know. We can't operate without the family. And, Jonathan, is much of what you've just described, that you might have to drop this phone at a second's notice or run off, is that because in Mallow there's supposed to be 12 of you and there's only nine, so all the work is spread? Like... When was the last time you had a day when you knew that beeper wouldn't go off? Um, I was off for a couple of hours yesterday. I managed to get to Killarney, but I wasn't long home when the beeper went off again. Um, I, I probably haven't been off for a while, to be honest with you, and a lot of the lads are the same. We've all been kind of pulling together to to keep the, to keep the numbers up, you know. If, if I asked you the last time you went a full 24 hours without having to worry about the beeper, would that be weeks? Uh, weeks, yeah. I think it was um, possibly... Um, my wedding anniversary. I think I was away for the weekend. That was in January. If if that was the yeah, that's that's not weeks. That's months, John. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And and you know, it's just the goodwill. I suppose goes on. We we all run out of the power to keep going. You know, and the goodwill to keep going. You know, uh, and, and, and and tell me, my man, like the pay for this. We know about the eight and a half grand retainer, which isn't. So that's, yeah, that's 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 basically your only guaranteed income. Look, every station is different. Mallow do uh, between two hundred and fifty and three hundred calls a year. But like we have friends of mine and colleagues of mine down in in West Cork and South Cork and anywhere, and they could do fifty calls a year, and they give the same commitment as I do, exactly sure. the same commitment for less. You know, I'm guaranteed to get some calls because yeah. of the volume of calls. When, but when you're out, Jonathan. Yeah. And when you're called out, so you've got this retainer that comes in, which laughingly you're still taxed on. Yes, exactly. When, yeah. when, yeah. when you are called out then, are you paid by the hour? Or we're paid by, by yeah, exactly. So we're paid by the hour. So we kind of get what's known as um, a double hour for the first hour you're out and then it, 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 it neutralises after that then down to the same hour. But during the working day, some of the lads are coming in here to the fire station. It's, it's probably even costing money, you know, because they have to leave their own job. Mm. They have to go back to their own job. We've we've a couple of lads in factories and bits go back to their own job, make up the hours, uh, and they're taxed on the money. So it is where you know it's it's highly taxed and and, and yeah. there's no incentive, you know. And do you have a, another job? 
I had my own business there um, for a good few years, but unfortunately, there just at the end of this month here, just kind of I, I closed it down because it just um, it just was struggling to keep it going, you know. Ah, um, no, look, it's grand. Yeah, I was painting and decorating and, and property maintenance, and, and I suppose when I was a firefighter, it was probably a bit easier managed. But when yeah, you're the station you, officer, there's a bit more. You can <laughs> you hardly know. drop it. You can hardly drop a paintbrush when you have no. To be fair, I had yeah, I had some lads working for me, so I wouldn't have been on the paintbrush only in the earlier days of my career, you know. But it's just the job has got demanding now, and we I'm, I do a lot of instructing around the country in the county as well. So mm. with other with other lads, so I but I enjoy the job. I I, I probably make the job a full time job for me in my eyes. But it's just now we're so tight in staff. Um, to be fair, and I have a great crew here. Like when I ask everyone to give a hand, they yes. give a piece of they give a piece of their weekend, and that's pressure on their family as well. And and it's not fair. Are they you know? all retained in Mellow? Yeah, every one of us. There's 20 stations in County Cork and every one of the stations are retained and they vary from staffing levels from 12 uh, to 10. Middleton have 12, Mallow have 12 and, and all the other stations have 10 then just because of the bigger towns. But like on the new proposals, they're hoping to increase the staff levels. But see, the problem is the talks that Darrow O'Brien brought out the document and they went into talks about staffing levels but the staffing levels will never change PJ because the money isn't interesting enough for people to join and they can see that it's gone on and on every campaign every single town in the county mm. of Cork is looking for people A full-time staff firefighter if, if and, and like we have here in the city like that's not that would, a bad old wage it's a, it is not a bad wage, and we work very closely. We actually worked on last Saturday evening there with our colleagues in, in Cork City at a, an instant, and um, we work very closely with them. And, and they're very like we're all trained exactly the same. PJ, that's the that's to get yes. that about the bottom line is we're all trained exactly the same. We fall in with them lads, or they come with us, and they fall in with us. And there's no such thing as anyone trained any different. Every single one of us are the same. We have great respect for each other. Um, the only difference is the working system. They finish at six, or you know, they do twelve hours and they go home we don't um, I remember even the other day I met one of, one of the Cork City lads in town mm. uh, and he just looked down at my belt and he said oh the beeper's on I said yeah on duty and that's you know and you know that's the reality but look PJ you know every town in, in the country is, is functioning nearly on retained firefighters no, know, to be honest you're, with you you know doing, you're, you're doing it because you love it Jonathan and it's, exactly it's, look yeah. and, and as I said look we, we had an incident here in Mallow a couple of weeks ago and it doesn't happen that often thing, you know that we get to make a difference and like we were I was sitting at home having my breakfast and from the time of call to the getting to the fire station and getting into the house, the crew wearing breathing apparatus entered the house and rescued a man inside in a fire, got him out, uh, got him to hospital straight away. The paramedics came on, did a fantastic job. And w- from what I hear, the man will, 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 will do well, you know. We, you know, obviously, sometimes we, it's hard to get the information on how they continue after their travels. But, like, we, we, that was a great feeling for us, PJ. It of doesn't happen it that well, often, you know. And you know what? You know. Thank, 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 I, I don't know who the man is nor the ground below him, but thank you for doing that. That's incredible work. There is a rumour going around. I know that there's an escalation like there is, tomorrow. So we're, we're kind of in, we're in industrial action now up yeah. to tonight, actually. Tonight at 12 o'clock. So what happens tonight at 12 o'clock, if there's no intervention today, is um, there will be 10 stations and the county of Cork will be off the run. Um, now, there's still talks and stuff ongoing and things as, as we speak at the moment. I'm, I'm that sorry now, Jonathan. What does that mean? Does that mean, does that, mean that the, the, the guys on, on beepers on those stations just won't go 
they'll they'll be they'll be effectively off the run and there'll be cover provided from other areas. Um, now they're still kind of finalising on plans and SIP to our SIP to our our, our uh, union were involved in. You know, and the contingency plans are being set up sure, by sure. both the management and to make sure there's no gaps in in cover where we sure. can possibly. So you know, people will still get a service if they need. You, it. Yeah, it, okay, it just okay. might take slightly longer. You know, but it's just if it were to was, happen then another week, there's an all out. Yes, that's the unfortunate one, PJ, that we don't even want to go to this tomorrow, um, but all-out all strike would mean there'd be no station in the country um, operating, and that's not... You know, but we, I suppose, look, I, I sat on... I was on the SIP2 National Negotiating, Negotiating Committee for a long time, possibly over five, to, between five and six or seven years, and we've been, we've been highlighting this with national level for a long, long, long time at Labour Government Managers Board, um, and we, we had no success, and this time the Minister himself, Darabur, brought out a document. It was the first time we were allowed to voice our concerns. Over 60% of the staff have left in the last couple of years, wow. you know, and they're big numbers. Um, so then they're looking to increase staffing levels, but sure, you can't increase them if we've no one coming into the job, Nobody but you're burning... Is. Nobody wants you're, those terms of conditions. No, and you're burning, you're burning out the people that are there, and the goodwill only lasts forever. And you know, um, it's just, you know, I often say to these people, come along for a day, you know, and you'll see what it's all about, you know. And uh, it's come. Uh, there is a rumor, and just that, that there may be a direct intervention by the minister before close of business today. I would hope so, PJ. Um, I would really, really hope so because, I'm, to be honest with you, I, I hadn't um, much sleep over the weekend with the, the worry and concern of it, you know. I know, I can imagine. Jonathan, thank you. And thank you and all of your colleagues for the service that you provide for paltry wages, paltry money. Thank you. Jonathan Madden is a retained firefighter based in Mallow. That's the situation. These guys have paid eight grand to be on call pretty much around the clock. Pretty much around the clock. Uh, Thank you. 0818969696. There are rumours, just rumours, of a direct intervention by the Minister today to see can the dispute be settled. Uh, look, I've covered industrial action for the best part of three decades at this stage. And there's always a settlement. There's always a deal. There's always a solution. But the thoughts that we might have no fire service in two weeks' time it's it's a it's an emergency now. Definitely an emergency. Thank you, Jonathan. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. A few more things coming in on the state of the streets and drug dealing in McCurtain Street. I will get to that. But we had an email from someone very upset about the eulogy at Teddy Mac's funeral. Not about the eulogy itself, but the fact that he was entitled to have one. Get to that next. 0818 Seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel. Tickets to David Guetta, Joe Corey, and Ocean Beach. Dinner at Cafe Mambo for the famous Habitha Sunset. And spending money. Spending money. Are you ready? Sometime. Oh, yeah. 
Stay listening to Cork's 96 FM weekdays for the biggest hits of the White Isle. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Win, win, win. Win your way to a week in Ibiza. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Earlier this morning, I played you uh, some highlights from... Kean McCarthy's eulogy at the funeral of his dad, Teddy Mac, at the weekend. And they were lovely words, and he had an opportunity to speak them before Mass started. And that is where eulogies are generally placed now. They used to come after communion, before the final prayers. But that's where they go now, if they go at all. And that's what prompted this email. PJ, we lost our beloved dad in February. The parish priest in Mallow wouldn't let us do a eulogy and said it was a directive from the bishop. We were in mourning at the time, so we didn't argue, but now we feel we were robbed. I did speak to the priest and I told him all the things that Dad loved, including opera, sport and much more. He didn't mention any of it during Mass. Why is it one rule for some families and another rule for others? Our eulogies in or out. I would love you to find out for me, as this is having an impact on families across Cork. Thank you. And thank you for that. Situation with regards to eulogies, I had the privilege, as I said, the incredible privilege and honour of speaking at my dad's mass back in 2018. We heard Kean earlier on. There's some division on it. That's all I can say. There's some division on it as to when it's allowed and when it's not. Some priests don't like it. Some bishops don't like it. My view would be tough. Give somebody five minutes to talk about their dad or their mom or their sister or their brother. It's, it's, it's very important for the family. It's very important for the friends and the loved ones. It's very important for all those who remember the person in the coffin at the front of the church. That's a, an upsetting email to get. Not that this person had any, by any way did she begrudge the eulogy that Kean gave for Teddy. But she said, how come they can do it and we couldn't? How come it seems to be the situation for some and not for others? Thank you for that. 0818969696. Was it another email to do with Teddy's funeral? And I'll leave it with you for what it's worth. This comes from Sean. PJ, like many sports fans, I was shocked and saddened to learn that the great Teddy Mac had passed away. He gave us so many great days. His likes will never be seen again. Unfortunately, I wasn't in a position to attend his funeral mass. But I get—I said I'd get to see it on the TV news on Saturday evening. I watched Virgin Media at 5.30. Paul Byrne had a great report, which was really quite moving. It was Beautiful work by Paul. Beautiful work, in fairness to him. Really moving report. Then I switched on RTE at six to see the coverage. I waited and waited. And at the end of the sports section, there was a brief mention, possibly 20 seconds, on Teddy Mac's funeral. To be honest, I'm disappointed and disgusted that our so-called national broadcaster gave it so little coverage. And I know I'm not alone in my thoughts. Please could you ask RTE why they didn't cover the funeral, given the fact that Teddy, Teddy McCarthy is such a part of sporting history. Why am I paying a TV license for such...
poor coverage. And that's from Sean to Opinion at 96fm.e. Sean, I had heard a lot of people saying over the weekend that RTE did not do Teddy justice. And it was very sad to hear that. Very sad to hear it. 0818 96 96 96. The man deserved better as being the only player who has ever done and probably will ever do what he did. Anyway. You might have seen in the last week or two the census report. Now, there'd be far more detail come out of the census over a period of time, but the last census we did a few years ago, they, they gave the first report on what the findings were. One of the findings was a decline of 10 percentage points in the people who identified themselves as Catholic. In other words, who filled in their census form and put Catholic as their faith. But you'd wonder, is it really only a 10% decline? Father Tony Flannery is a redemptorist priest and he's the founder of the Association of Catholic Priests. And he's been writing about this since studying those census figures. Tony, he joins me now. Tony, you didn't see the figures in any as any surprise, really, did you? Good morning. No, I didn't, PJ. Uh, and I suppose, it, like a lot of other people that I've spoken to, maybe the surprise was that the numbers of Catholics wasn't lower. Yeah. Because... You know, so if you look at the average church at weekend masses now, the numbers have really declined dramatically and very few people under 50 years of age. And the COVID accelerated that collapse in church attendance. So still at 69% in a way was a bit of a surprise. I would have said there's more faith out there, actual faith and belief and spiritualism, if you want, than the numbers reflect. Would you Would you agree? Oh, I'd absolutely agree with that. Uh, and I think that that's, that's actually quite a significant development, I think, PJ. And if the church could begin to link into that to respect to the, I think there's, there would be a future in that. Do you, do you understand why they're not going to Mass, Tony? Have you thought about it? Oh, yes, of course. Uh, there's a couple of things, obvious things about the church, like the whole issue of the church and women is a major issue. Uh, and the, the fact that women are still excluded from ministry and from decision-making in this day and age, is just so out of tune with modern thinking and then out of tune with justice and fairness. So that unless, until such time as that one is sorted out, and that one won't be easily sorted out in the Catholic Church, uh, it's not going to be credible with the younger generation. Are you talking about the ordination of women? Must that happen? Not just that. The whole thing of the decision-making like, as of now, really, women have no voice at all in mm. decision-making. You'll find them in parish councils, maybe sometimes even in diocesan councils, but all decisions and at all levels in the church are made by people who are ordained priests. Mm. And that's that's a dreadful obstacle in the modern world. And then the the other obvious one, of course, PJ, is some of the Catholic sexual teachings. 
around the LGBT, around uh, artificial contraception, uh, divorced and remarried, all those sorts of things too. There's a whole range of things there that are no longer credible yeah. to a new generation. So there's a lot of changes needed in the church and it's so old and so long in existence that uh, it finds change hard. You no doubt followed the story a few months ago as we did here on this programme of the sermon given by Father Sheehy in Kerry. Sure, I didn't pass too much remarks of Father Sheehy. People cling, some people cling desperately to the ways that were in the past because they found security in them. Whereas all this change, particularly around sort of the LGBT uh, and things like that, people find that threatening. And I know a good few Father Sheehy's, if you know what I mean. I do. People who share views like that and who thinks who think that the likes of me are total heretics. That's the situation we're in at the moment, PJ. Yeah, there are, there are those who believe, and I've had one or two callers here, uh, regular callers over the years, who would say, look, the church is not a democracy. It isn't going to change just to suit society's changes. We have to look again at that, don't we, Tony? Of course we do. And Francis is looking again at that. Yeah, Pope Francis, you, you're, you're a big fan. Well, you see, Francis is really trying. He's trying to do some very radical things. This whole synodal process, as it is called, Mm. because what it's fundamentally trying to do is to give a voice to the ordinary people. Mm. Come back to, you spoke a few minutes ago about Mm -hmm. that. I'm very proud to be a member of the commemorative committee for Besbra. And in fact, we'll be having our annual get-together on the 25th of June down at Besbra. I think when the stories began to come out about the mother and baby homes, or rather the stories we all, we all knew but never told, when those stories began to come out, people walked away from the church in their droves, Tony. They couldn't believe what had happened to women and children. What can you say about that, PJ? Uh, I have a connection not with Besborough, but with you. Ah, yes. A first cousin of mine had uh, got pregnant. Now we're going back quite a bit. She got pregnant as as a young girl. She was sent to the place in Tume, had her baby there. Uh, The baby died after a few months and is buried there. And she went off to England. Now, she married and had a family and got on very well in England. She's dead now. She was from a family where her mother had died young. And her father was not very adequate, if we could put it that way, in terms of wearing children. And when she got pregnant... He reacted in the way a very traditional Irish man used to react. He got angry and he attacked her and he was glad to get her out of sight because he saw her as a disgrace to the family. Yeah. Now, what do you say about that? Uh, It it is all so tragic and so sad 
but it was much broader than just the church. It was the whole social milieu in Ireland. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. created and sustained places like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and thanks be to God, we've, we're much more enlightened now and we've moved on from that. Now they're going to exhume all the bodies in Chew. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Oh, I wouldn't be comfortable with that at all. Why not, Tony? Uh, well, because, like, what's it going to achieve? What will they find... Like my my little cousin there, she died after a few months old. What will they find of her? How will they possibly identify that this particular little scrap of bone is hers? We understand. And as of now, I'm not aware, certainly my family, my relations, and the ones who maybe would be closer to her than I was, uh, than I am, they haven't been consulted. They haven't been asked. I understand. And it, it, it's, it's very complicated. Well, come back locally to Besborough, and I know yeah. you're, you're more familiar with Tune, but the ongoing situation here in Cork, Tony, where developers want to get their hands on Besborough, and those of us connected to the commemoration, I'm speaking personally here, I passionately believe not a shovel should be allowed to be swung down there before we know what lies beneath. Do you share that view? Yeah, I can see your point there. Absolutely. Yes. So would you be hoping, PJ, that all those bodies will be, would be exhumed also? I'd like to know what's there, not necessarily exhume them, but I would I like to know what's mean, there. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's enormously complicated. It is indeed. And oh, I to such a... It's also sad. Desperately sad. Come back to where, where we started, Tony, with the, the decline of, of the church. You have not been allowed to minister since 2012 because of the things you've been saying and continue to say. That has to change, doesn't it? A priest must not be afraid to speak out and be different. Uh, yes, of course, and it is changing. One of the ironic things that has happened in my case is that, in just going back to the senatorial process, I was at the final meeting of the senatorial process in Ireland where the reports from all the different dioceses and groups around the country were presented to us. Hmm. Everything I had ever said and written that I was attacked for and suspended for were now being proclaimed as part of the official position of the Irish Church. How do you feel when you're saying to yourself, I was telling you this 10 years ago, lads, I was telling you this 20 years ago? <laughs> and, and look, it wasn't just me, there were lots of others. Sure. My, my friend and colleague in the Association of Catholic Priests, Brendan Hoban, was also at the meeting. And I remember we met and we had a coffee break halfway through it and I met Brendan and we were both just amazed. Yeah. We were saying, God, this is what we've been calling for for years and the bishop wouldn't even speak to us and now here we are listening to it all and it has become the official position and all the bishops are here and they're nodding their heads. And you know, in a way it was great. Uh, you'd say, well, at least maybe we were part of bringing about some change. 
Tony, I've enjoyed our conversation greatly. Thank you very much. PJ, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Tony. Tony Flannery. Father Tony Flannery. Still a redemptorist, never left. Um, but he just isn't allowed minister since uh, 2012 because of the things he has been saying, which, as he said to me there, many of them are now mainstream mainstream thinking in the church. Thanks, Tony. 0818 PJ, everyone, this is from Adele. Everyone just throws down Roman Catholic on the census, even if they're not practicing. It's habit. They don't go to Mass, they don't pray, but they write that they're Catholic. As an agnostic, I find it incredibly hypocritical. Well, Adele, I wouldn't be a great Mass goer. Um, Christmas, weddings, funerals, maybe Easter time. Um, But I still would write down my religion as Roman Catholic because I am a Catholic. Uh, not necessarily a particularly devout one, but I'm a Catholic, nonetheless. Um, but I take your point. Bernie, what people hunger for is spirituality, a connection to meaning, and they're not getting that in the Mass, with ritual and preaching. Until the Church understands the services will never be mainstream again. It's not that we lost our faith, it's that we can't get the help we need from the Mass and the other very ritual Sacraments. Win your way to a week in Ibiza. Week in Ibiza. <laughs> Just watch me dance. Only on Cork's 96 FM. September time. The weather is still scorching in Ibiza. The sunsets are magic. So you'll go to see one and have dinner at Cafe Mamba. Mambo, right? You'll also go to an ocean beach pool party. You'll see Joel Curry at the Ibiza Rocks Hotel. And there's David Gretty. You just heard the song. You'll see him at Oshaya. And you'll stay seven nights at the WikiWoo Hotel. And we'll also put some money in your pocket. Fly you there and fly you back. If you're the lucky winner of our week in Ibiza. Patricia! Hello? Hello? Would you like to go? I wouldn't be. It would be brilliant. Have you ever been? <laughs> No, never. Said it's always been on the bucket list. Yeah, always been on the bucket list to go to the White Island. Well, all I can guarantee you is you're in the draw. How would that sound? That sounds fabulous. Deadly. Thank you so much. Deadly. All right. Well, we've got your name and your details. September is when it would be. And I've been. Okay. I haven't been to Ibiza, but I've been to that part of the world in September. And it is as gorgeous as ever. All right. People can stop calling now, by the way, and stop messaging in. We'll do it again later on with Simon. Patricia Grace, our latest qualifier. Thank you, Patricia. You have all the details. Thank you so much. Cheers. Uh, latest qualifier with Cork's 96FM's Week in Ibiza. Your chance to win the party holiday of a lifetime. You're listening out again for that song. Simon will play that sometime this afternoon on Quarks 96 FM. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quarks 96 FM. Mary Jane wants to talk about the church and the Catholic Church and the census and all that. Just a sec there, Mary Jane. We have a competition all this week with the Everyman tickets and dinner to give away for different shows every day to celebrate their summer season. Today we have two tickets for you to see Buffy revamped and we'll send you to dinner before that at McGettigan's 
Cookhouse, your last chance to get in on it. Who is this? This car could be systematic, hydromatic, ultramatic. Why could be grease lightning? All right, that's that's who is that? 83 396 96 96. I was in McCorton Street yesterday evening. I saw four fellas in a doorway doing a drug deal, and I'm not talking about a small one either. I phoned Anglesey Street Garda Station a few times, nobody answered. Then I phoned Toker a load of times, no answer. We're in a city with 125,000 people plus, and you can't get a guard for a serious offence going on in front of your eyes. And no one knew what kind of offence I was phoning about. It could have been a risk of serious violence. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Thank you for that. Right, Mary Jane, the census and filling in religion. Yes. So this year for the the last census, actually, uh, the first time ever, I just put... um, that I had no religion. Mm. Um, I think it was like, um, I'd been kind of on autopilot, I think, on other years where I'd just been taking it. But I suppose I have uh, friends that have kids and stuff and um, one of the things that uh, kind of seems to be a major problem for them is getting kids into school and things like that. Mm. Um, so I was just like, well, I'm not practicing. I'm not going to mass. Um, I am a spiritual person. I do believe in God. Um and some of the Catholic teachings, I, I think, are pretty pretty solid. But I couldn't, in all conscience, um, think that the things, their views on women, their views on homosexuality, um, and the way that they treat it, as you said earlier, the Besborough babies, I, I couldn't, in all honesty, um, support um, an organisation like mm. that. So I think, like... People, I think a lot of the time we're on autopilot, probably taking it. And like, I want to start by saying I went, I was, I raised a Catholic. Um, my mother was, I would say, moderately religious. My father was, I'd say, maybe agnostic, slightly, slightly less religious. Um, and um, I went to a Catholic primary school, a Catholic secondary school, um, and I would have gone to mass as an adult even. Um, just you know, regardless of my parents' wishes mm. and things like that. Um, Do you and, still go? Ever? Uh, I don't. Do you know what? I don't. Like I'll go if I have to go to a funeral or if there's something on. Um, but I think, and I would still call into the Holy Trinity Church. Like I still go to the church because mm. uh, I still see it as a place. But I, I kind of see it as a place for peace. I'd go and light a candle or say a prayer. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I just I couldn't in all conscience, um, say realistically that, I, that I'm a, a staunch Catholic or, or mm-hmm. that I, I identify with Catholicism anymore. There's just been too much. They, they, they were just, and you know, I even remember being in school with nuns and poor kids not being treated as well. Yeah. You know, like from poorer families and stuff like that. And I remember seeing that disparity and saying it to my mother when I come home, you know, people not having copy books but, and the nuns giving out to them. And then my mother would give me extra copy books to bring into school and this kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was when I was in secondary and I went to the secondary school in the city. I didn't go to one in Ballon Rock, like, um But it was just like, like even looking back on it now, how cruel and and mean mm. they were mm. to, to, to kids, you know, to children. Like, I mean, yeah. t- 12, 13, you're in secondary school. Well, I, so I can I remember just, being in school um, and... No, I write with my right hand. But I knew a great friend of mine um, wrote with his left hand. 
the poor God. boy couldn't do so boy, couldn't do ABC with his right hand, but a yeah. beautiful handwriting with his left hand, and he got battered with yeah. a bamboo cane every time the teacher would pass, whack down on top of his knuckles. Like we were ten. Do you know what the teacher said? What? The devil wrote with his left hand. Yeah, that that was it. My dad was left-handed and 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 was up until the day he died, and he never. But we used to call. He used to say the south call. My sister is left-handed as well, and actually two of my brothers are also. Mm. And it's it is what it is. Like it's it's just mm. they were so mean and so cruel um, to to kids and like. PJ, bear in mind, I'm only 44. Mm. Um, and actually, my sister was in, in hospital with a girl um, that was in Besborough. She was one of the last people I'd say there okay. in the 90s, yeah. um, early 90s. And um, she just, they, she had nothing. My mother ended up bringing her up baby yeah. goals and stuff. Yeah. And her baby actually died. It was very, very sad. Oh, yeah. So, like... yeah. When you hear these atrocities, and this is this is driven by a religious organisation, like you know, if we look at any other organisation in in the world, whatever it is, whether it's the KKK or it's any other kind of like major mega kind of organisation that fuels hate, like the Catholic Church, you know, you know, speaks so much about love and devotion and stuff like that, and then. You know, you had they, the people they did that were... to women and children, yeah. And you know, here's the weird thing, Mary Jane. We'll talk more about it as we come up to time now. Um, but the 25th Sunday week is the Besbrook commemoration, and I'm very proud and honoured again to be asked to host it or them down there. But some of the people involved in the Besbrook commemoration, there's to this day they retain a deep and, and, and devout faith. It, it's just it's just a it's just a quirk of it, but but that's how it is. Mary Jane, thank you for your call. Appreciate that so much. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. That's a conversation I'm happy to develop again uh, tomorrow. Where am I going? Is it through This car could be systematic, hydromatic, ultramatic. Why could be grease lightning? Gillian Ryan, who is it? Hi. That's John Travolta. That's John Travolta, so it is. Right, you'll be off. I don't have the dates yet, but you will be off to see a Buffy revamped at okay. the Everyman. And before that, we'll send you to McGettigan's Cookhouse and we'll feed you and whoever you choose to take with you. Happy with that? Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you very much, PJ. Fantastic. Thank you. Fantastic. Cheers. Just before I go, um, are you hearing about the Leaving Cert Matt's Paper 1 scandal? The teenagers were distraught. Lots of stuff coming up that they'd never seen says Dave. I had seen some of that over the weekend, Dave. I haven't seen the paper, but I have seen it, and we'll come back to it in the morning, because it is causing something of a stir online. So yes, we're aware of it, and we're just doing a little bit of digging before we come back to it, but thank you for that. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. And we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.